Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dorm Inform. I'm Miles Hoffman, here in my dorm to inform you of the next upcoming artists and bands in the music industry. Today, we have Orange Guava Passion. They are a jazz, funk, soul, pop group, all based out of Brown University. Currently, we have five members on the call. How about we just do a round robin and have everybody introduce themselves? Uh, let's start with Jackson. All right, I'm Jackson. I'm the singer in the band. And I'm Danny. I play keys. Maya, you want to introduce yourself? I'm Maya. I play guitar. I'm Ben. I play bass. Uh, and I'm Peter. I play tenor saxophone. Sweet. Well, a lot of people might already be wondering a couple of different things. I know as a Lawrence fan that they came from Brown and they were also like a funk pop group and they had an interesting name of just like, okay, yeah, it's Clyde and then his sister and then all their you know friends that go and gig all the time. But Orange Guava Passion is a very unique name. So does somebody want to explain why it's called Orange Guava Passion? Um, Jackson, I guess, you want to take yeah, it? Yeah, I guess I can take this one. Um, so we we started freshman year, and we actually named the band after a drink in the Brown dining halls that our that like was kind of notorious, and our our saxophone player was at the time you know suffering an addiction to this drink, right. and we just thought we wanted to name it something that was like unique to our school and our place that we had, had like a certain affection for. And yeah, that's what we ended up going with. It was right. also very on the fly. Right. As it turns out, Orange Valley Passion Fruit Juice from the Minute Maid dispenser is not actually unique to our yeah. school. And they have it at a lot of our other peer institutions. But like, it's still a, you know, a juice that a lot of us really, really enjoy. And also is brown specific without being like too on the nose and like too cliche. So I think that's part of why we chose that name. Yeah. Yeah, that's sweet. I, I know that Belmont doesn't have Orange Guava Passion, but I know they have like, it's like Mango Pineapple or something or something like that. I know we have Minute Maid on campus, like it's the same sponsor, but that's just that's just cool. So a drink brought you guys all together. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so let's get into some of your content. I know that um, from what we... I previously discussed that you guys are, you know, all based in the funk and the soul and the pop kind of range of music. So I'm going to quickly, Zoom's our best friend, and we're going to share our screen. And you guys can see uh, Spotify here, presumably. Yeah, very good. And let's first dive into... What is ranked as number one on the OGP Spotify page of Eagle Town? Um, one thing that I wanted to ask Jackson about, since he does vocals on this, is um, before we even get into the song, what was kind of the vision going into the recording of Eagle Town that you wanted to portray versus like every other OGP song that you guys have already released so far? Because Eagle Town being the newest release, if I if I stand correctly. Um, what was different about this song when you were um, singing it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've had like a relatively, you know, similar approach for all of our recordings where we kind of do live arrangements, like focused on our shows and our band. And then like the recording comes after that as just kind of natural extension. And it's very much, um, 
I don't know. We don't like overproduce the vocals like on this. I usually just like do a couple takes and we just like we'll roll with them. And and, you know, we try to not use like, you know, over over processing or like, you know, pitch correction and stuff. We really like to keep that kind of raw, like live feeling to the vocals. Mm -hmm. And I think this song was I mean, I guess a part partially unique in that it kind of started off like in a lower octave where it was kind of a lot more casual and like speechy. And then I kind of like slowly ascend like as the song goes on and it kind of, you know, works with the, with the general themes of the song. Awesome. And yeah, um, adding off of that, what was like the first spark or inspiration behind the song, I guess? Like what was the, who was the first person to, to speak up and say, let's do this song and yeah. let's get it to Jackson so he can sing it and let's get the group together so that we can record it. Yeah, so Maya wrote this like the music of this song for for the most part. She came to the band and like had these really you know great melodic ideas and you know chordal ideas, and then together we fleshed out the form of the song, like the breakdowns and whatnot. And then we kind of as a collective effort. I know Ben definitely had a heartfelt connection to the themes of the song um, with his you know uprising and. In Colorado and I think that yeah it was a, definitely a very collective process in terms of the lyrics and the form and the arrangement like the horn lines and the breaks but definitely Maya like came to us with the initial idea and then we flesh it out as a group yeah that's great so we're, we're gonna take a quick listen to a certain section that I like of the song I'm trying to remember the exact stamp I believe it's around here and bear with me I'll probably do a little bit of scrubbing as we look through the song for the part that I'm specifically thinking about <laughs> Okay, yeah, it's right here. So during like the bridge, obviously Maya's playing guitar there, this like the startup, and then the horns come in and it kind of brings it into like a final shout chorus, which is pretty that's pretty typical in this kind of music for people that are listening in that don't know about soul pop music. It's got a lot of inspiration to like uplifting rising emotion that goes all into the entire track. And this song definitely represents that. So good on everybody for like really being in the spirit with that when you guys were recording. I can definitely hear that. So let's go and check out Ray about here. I think this is where it starts. come in here which is pretty cool it's a great lick I'm going to pause it there, but for anybody who liked what they heard, they should definitely go check out Orange Guava Passion on Spotify. They're on all platforms, presumably. And um, yeah, Eagle Town's a great track. So um, let's now get into the other end of it, which we were just talking a little bit about just the horn licks. So horn section, um, specifically with the lick itself, did you guys like say, okay, we have a really good idea for the song. 
Maya's got a really good groove going on specifically in this section. We're going to add this in, or did you come forward and say, Hey, let's just improvise and come up with something new and see what we can do with it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think, uh, I, I, I don't know who wrote what exactly in this. I, I will say that Danny helped a lot with fleshing out all the horn parts. He's, he plays piano, but he's basically the fourth horn player. Um, he he's helped a ton with arranging, so I I think we definitely played around with it, and uh, it went through some iterations before it got to, to what it was. But um, uh, we I, I think we definitely thought of this like more in the overall context of the song and what it could add instead of just like this is the horns. Like it's in I, I think in this one better than any of our other songs, we we really came up with something that like is part of the song instead of just something for the horns to do. Yeah, I agree with what Peter said, and yeah, we we spend a lot of time like in my room myself. Peter, uh, Elliot, who plays alto saxophone, and Adam, who plays trumpet, just fleshing out these ideas, trying different things out. Um, and yeah, I think like a lot of, yeah, I, I think I think we're pretty proud of a lot of that horn arrangement that went into the breakdown and the end of that song. I think there are a, a lot of cool like arranging tools happening. For for instance, in the section we just listened to with with the breakdown, you hear the horns come in with a do da 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 da, and it's unison. And then the second time we do that line, it's actually a three-bar harmony. So it's da 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 writing music to actually like think about how the horns can have a place in like uh, have like a critical role in the song as opposed to just like adding the horns like as like this auxiliary kind of like um decoration on top when when the whole song has been fleshed out and i think we kind of uh yeah i think we nailed it in this one yeah no i i definitely think the same way and uh i i was also going to say alongside that the whole side of production of for people who are kind of like audiophiles that like to listen to music for the overall arrangement and composition of it the sense of layering is like very impressive for what you guys are doing here so to to think about splitting up what is you know a unison line into three separate harmonies on a second go around that's a great way to make it creative and also make it different and keep the listener you know engaged so that's that's and that's just awesome. And I think I, that was definitely something I point like spotted from my first or second listen of Eagle town. And then later on, when I would tell my friends, they were like, this is really cool. We should definitely try to figure out and um, come up with like our own score arrangements of each harmony and everything and see if we were able to play it. And for some context, like I used to play trumpet in, in high school. I don't really play it much anymore, but I got plenty of friends that did. And, um, they still play jazz and they love this stuff. And I mean, this is coming from Nashville, you know? So like, this is almost like a, there's a level of impact or the conversation is being brought across the country really. So, you know, that's, that's definitely an awesome um, part of all of this. So going from there, um, let's talk about some of your other content, which I know that you guys released an EP back in 2019 to premiere everything off. And um, from the EP, what do you guys like, you know, I know everybody probably has their own favorite tracks and everything, but um, 
do you think universally there was one track that everybody really enjoyed the most? TJ definitely is a, a crowd pleaser um, and sort of has a special place in our hearts because it was the first thing that we wrote all together. Um, and definitely live, that's been a really fun song to play because um, all of our friends know it and yeah. it's a, mm-hmm. a good experience. Do, do you guys have any like experiences from the live setting? Because I know I'm going to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Um, we're in the midst of COVID right now and it's crazy. <laughs> we don't have any ability to like go to live shows or anything. I saw this really funny Instagram post the other day of a guy wearing a mask, holding up a cardboard sign saying, bring back live shows for me, please. And I just really related to that because like, you know, if one thing we could, if I could hope and wish for at the end of all this, that we would get live shows back in some way, shape, or form, whatever that might look like. Um, so do you guys have any experiences? Let's specifically talking about TJ um, from in the live setting. What kinds of experiences was it like being on Brown, playing for everybody? Ben talk or something. I think with TJ, the, the impetus to writing the song came from us wanting to play a lot of shows right at the start of our freshman year. So we were like, all right, we have a group of people together. What are we going to play? Right. And we sat down. We had an audition for a gig um, that a bunch of brown bands play at. Um, and like an hour beforehand, we were like, you don't have anything to play. Let's write something. Um, so <laughs> we kind of just fleshed out some stuff. We didn't even really have the lyrical content fully figured out yet, but we had a, a couple of, you know, verse chorus ideas sat down in about 45 minutes, wrote most of TJ and then came in and auditioned with it and just had a lot of fun. And I think the energy of just kind of that rock quickness in the song carries through to a lot of the live shows of like, you just have a lot of fun playing it and people scream about Fader Joe's and juice and tasty samples in the back and all of that. So I think um we we just have fun playing it and i think that's kind of where a lot of the energy of the song comes from too yeah no that's great um i i'd be curious to know do you guys know about like i forget what the exact name of the juice is but it's like a seven it's like a seven fruit juice and it comes in the like really obscure glass and it's only sold at trader joe's it's like the power of seven juice or something i'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of it but like Definitely, the first thing that came into my mind was like, right, Orange Guava Fashion is the juice, TJ, Trader Joe's, and the first thing I thought about was that drink, and I don't know, I, I, I can imagine, like, there's there's not really much you can do with that, but there's just, like, a cool thought in my head, I don't know, something something to think about. If not, go we'll check out the juice, it. it's great. Yeah. It's like, it's like the, I, I have openly said this, like, on the show, that I'm Jewish, and um, the first thing that comes to my mind with all this is the fact that that kind of juice is like a very, it's like a supreme version of grape juice. And I can only imagine drinking that at Shabbat rather than just having like, um, whatever the stand, I, I already forget what the standard kind is. I usually have with challah, but like it's, it's whatever. So anyway, um, it, do you guys have any, um, preference in terms of like a specific portion of the song of TJ that you want to talk about? I love the song overall, like, you know, beginning to end. I mean, unanimously I, I think i like most of your songs from like beginning to the end i just think the arrangements are great but um anything particular that you want to just highlight i think i think we should probably talk about the post-chorus neo-soul kind of section at least a little bit because yeah. it is pretty unique to the song and unlike the others sweet yeah 
But before, I mean, before we jump in, I was going to say, I think Ben really hit the nail on the head. Oh, Oops, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just queuing it up. Oh, good. Um, I was going to say, I think Ben really hit the nail on the head that this was like very much like it, not it, not improvised, but like the song was very much like not like it's pretty surreal for us to hear about the fact that you're like talking about it in Nashville because like we wrote it very much as just like, you know, a fun thing for us to just like play with our friends and like enjoy and like play live shows. And like the fact that it's like now getting around on Spotify is like pretty crazy for us because yeah. like that was totally not where we like originally envisioned it even going. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember, um, I know Danny, we were, before we even jump at the TJ, we were just talking before on the call that you're also involved with couch. And I know we, we had couch on the show last season. And one of the thing that, one of the things that we were talking about was that people in the Nashville area, specifically, I'm thinking of like venues like third and Lindsley, the basement East here in just Nashville, they were wanting couch and other smaller university groups going on tour to Nashville areas because the Nashville music scene wanted those bands. And that was right before COVID. So like that kind of gives you some, you know, retrospect of what happened and why things haven't really progressed as, as quickly as they could have. But um, that's definitely something that's really fascinating to me. And you don't even realize that like, I've had friends that go to like, the Wolfpack shows in Mas like the the Madison Square Garden show, they went and flew out to that, like, you know, on a whim in the middle of classes because and this was like groups of people. This wasn't just like one or two people. This was like a dozen or so people wanting to go out to the show. And it's because people are loyal to the music, people are loyal to the sound, and they also love supporting what is, you know, very independent, very raw music. And I think the best atmosphere for that has been colleges, you know, whether you are the creators or you the listeners. So um, but yeah, fascinating stuff. So, um, let me quickly see where, um, TJ plays the Neo chorus. Um, you guys have any, uh, remembrance of where the timestamp is? I don't want to play through the whole song by any means, but be curious. I have no idea. It should be around <laughs> there though. That yeah. looks right. I'll, I'll just scrub and see. I'm not sure if that included a portion of it. I, I think it did. If I'm right, I might be wrong. But um, I wanted to pause there because also it's a great song. I know that Jackson was talking a little bit about just like 
literally you guys are very transparent about this we're we're talking about being in a, in a trader joe's and seeing somebody that you're that you think has the hots for you i'm not gonna like you know kind of dismiss that at all but um i i think that's just like it's such a authentic and common or not even common but it's like it's an authentic and basic idea but it it really tr- like translates a million of different words or thoughts in your head when you think about the song because it's it's ultimately just a vibe at the end of the day it is and um i i'm thinking realistically about okay we have trader joe's across the country and i also know that previously you guys had been like doing a little bit of a collaboration with rx bar with the whole orange um, flavor coming out and everything and i don't even know if rx bars are even located in trader joe's or not somebody's gonna have to remind me or not because i know it's mostly like exclusive like foods and stuff but they have some like of the special specialty varieties in like in that in the corner section like near the samples if you know what i mean i'm thinking like in the context of the new massachusetts trader joe's so if danny knows what i'm talking about that's what i'm thinking about but yeah no that that's just really cool so um i think something that we can get away from this song or like something that i've gotten away from the song was the idea of just enjoying the moment you know like going and walking through a trader joe's and getting your groceries might be a simplistic thing, but it can turn into a song. It can turn into an emotion. It can turn into like a community. And that's what happened here. So um, really, we can take that away as like a great one, a songwriting tool to like a lyrically, it's lyrically, the lyrical prowess of it is like pretty incredible. So um, <laughs> I, I think that's pretty cool. So do you guys have any other thoughts about TJ before we um, move on? I mean, on the subject of the lyrics, I was going to say um, it was just like a very like rapid fire, like these ideas just came together and like the whole it was like the goal of it was to create something that was just like goofy and like fun loving that yeah. like, we could play at our shows and people could just like get some just like, you know, joy from and we essentially just like turned the you know, cookie cutter, like generic, like love lyrics that I'd kind of been singing, riffing on when we were playing the song, we kind of turned them on their head and like made them about Trader Joe's. And I think that was like, you know, it's, it was like a pretty simple, like pretty goofy thing that we did, but. Um, right. right. I also think what you're saying, Miles, about, um, about this is a pretty, you know, this is a pretty like basic idea. Like I love Trader Joe's. I love shopping <laughs> Trader Joe's. I think that, I think one of the things that's like, that's unique to our band and not necessarily unique to our band but one of the things that at least is definitely true about this band is that we try not to take ourselves too seriously and we try to kind of reflect that goofy (laughs) and goofy attitude in our songs at the same time we do try to push the envelope with our arrangements and the kind of stuff that we put into these songs like you like you just heard right like tj's not just a pop song it has this whole kind of like neo soul like moonchild-esque whatever like um post chorus and so and so right i think that there's this balance between um you know like what's happening musically but also like still being fun loving and and yeah if you guys want to speak to that more jackson yeah i mean hearing it now after not having heard it for a long time it's fun to listen to it and kind of think about where we were i think it really represents that well and we had all these different ideas and kind of wanted to put them in one space and it can definitely be a little bit 
you know, jumping back and forth. And yeah. I think it works well. It kind of captures that excitement from, you know, just starting to play together. And um, yeah, it's fun to listen to now. Yeah, and no, like, that's great. I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, and like, obviously we can go back and like be like super hypercritical of, of, you know, a specific like performance and like arrangement choice that we made. But I think one thing that will like, that I like really appreciate about it is it does just have, like capture that really raw like feeling and like especially in the jam section like you know we could like you know for eagle town and the other songs we like arrange like very like so precisely like specific like horn lines and solis like and own it but this was like a very raw jam section that like really captures the feeling of like when we would just play it at like college parties and we just have the horns blaring and like we i don't know it like, I, I think that's something that is just, like, pretty fun about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think all around, um, between the three of you guys, what you just what you just gave is a little bit of an anecdote for the song. I think that really relates to just the overall, like, artistic vision that you guys have with the group and what you want to do with it. Um, Danny, specifically, you were mentioning earlier about how, like, it's the complex, the complexity of the um, arrangements, but the basic attitude of the you know, laid back nature of the whole topics of each song. I think that speaks like, you know, really well for what the overall marketing kind of looks like for the song and how um, you guys are planning to further progress all of your music. So I'd be curious to know, you know, we're in the middle of COVID and hopefully we're going to come out of this, you know, much better people and have a much better understanding of how we're going to be able to handle situations like this in the future. But musically, I presume, given some of your um, social media posts, that you guys are figuring out ways to prepare new songs and prepare new ideas for upcoming releases. So what has that been like? I'd be curious to know. Anybody can provide an answer to that. (laughs) We've kind of been doing some some Zoom writing sessions, and when it was a little bit warmer, we were practicing a bit in uh, Will's, our drummer's driveway, which was fun while it lasted. It's definitely been tricky, but um, I think we're we've got one idea that's a little bit more fleshed out, and I think we're gonna start trying to record that sort of separately from our individual homes and then sending in the stems to each other right um but it's taken some creative thinking to to make it work yeah Yeah. no i i remember when i was speaking with couch it was a very similar process of how like everybody was all over the country they were all going to different schools yet they made it happen and they were it was of course that idea of sending over a wave track sending over back another wave track figuring out do we want to change one lyric there do we want to add in the guitar there you know that kind of thing um so that's definitely something that it's a big barrier but I, I think more and more music has started to be like that. Um, we're starting to now realize that most of our industries don't really need to be fully in person all the time. They can kind of be online or virtual. And I hope music is one of those things that we can still be all in person, record in session, one go, because um, it's just simplistic, it's easy, and it sounds the best when it's right there in the studio. But the fact that we have something that we can fall back on, such as you know standing stems back and forth that's great so um it's awesome that you guys are utilizing that for sure and to be honest it's definitely has been a really big challenge for us especially because of the focus of the band like we are a band that 
you know, primarily, you know, plays college parties and and gigs and shows around Providence and like, you know, the extended New England area. Mm-hmm. And our arrangements, our songwriting process is very much centered around like live instruments and all yeah. being in the same room. So it definitely has been a struggle. And, you know, we're obviously excited to eventually someday be able to like return to the same room and like have it. And like we've tried to cope with that. But I definitely think that, yeah because our like live focus and like any you know commercial and like whatever success that comes after that has kind of been secondary to just us having fun playing together i think has definitely right. been pretty tough yeah right and miles you have brought up couch i think it's a really interesting like comparison to make because you know couch is a quote-unquote long distance band right like whatever me and zach and eric and will live in boston but others live in chicago and others from dc and so they've they've been doing the long distance band thing you know writing over facetime re- like writing as they record they, they've been doing that thing since their conception since our conception yeah. I should say um but but we're not that way right so like our arrangements are tested at gigs before we actually take <laughs> them to the recording studio and so yeah i think couch was kind of poised to handle this pandemic and say wait a second we can keep producing music at the same not not quite at the same like rate as we have in the past but like you know couch like we have a we have an ep coming out in february that i think is really really pretty high quality and is impressive that it came out of COVID. but that's because like couch writes as they record and couch um you know like like production is very much like a part of the couch writing process whereas it's not the case for us so yeah i think it's just two different approaches that are kind of affected different ways by by the pandemic if that makes any sense yeah no that does and um i i think it's it's surprising to think that there are so many groups i i actually was just for those who are listening to the previous episode of this season i had bad the band from new york city um on the show they had a couple of singles released and really they were put on like a big halt and they didn't really have anything releasing amidst covid until their most recent release which i'm not sure if you guys heard of bad or anything but their music's great you should definitely check it out um but it's uh earth and retrograde and that song specifically was to focus on the fact that this is COVID. There's so many different things going on all at once in 2020. Why can't we just have the year come to an end? And, you know, that kind of concept was really reminiscent of everything that was going on all at once and everyone was very cathartic about it. So I think in ways to tie that back to what um, OGP has been doing, most of your content has been like to be cathartic with your fan bases and it's fans. It's very um, fan driven. It's not really fan servicey, but you're focusing on your fans and you're focused on what would be of interest to us and what would, you know, universally be of an interest to everybody in the community together. And um, that's something that I think more artists need to value more bands need to value it's something that we don't really see anymore in the industry. It was something that you kind of felt in songs, especially in these genres back in the 70s and 80s, the whole Motown era. And most artists and most groups that came out of that label knew that they were putting music out into the world that was important to them and important to others, rather than, you know, let's make a dollar off of this. Let's pay back our debt that we owe to the label kind of deal. Um, obviously in the whole independent world and us being, um, or at least you guys being a college group playing college gigs, it's obviously a much different dynamic in that kind of sense, but it's definitely something to consider, um, to anybody, you know, whether you guys, whether there are people listening in that are interested in creating groups either at college or out of college, 
um, or you are an avid listener and you want to know what goes into these kinds of um, songs and arrangements and these groups. So that's great. Well, anyway, um, just to wrap things up, I first wanted to say thank you guys so much for taking the time to be on Dorman Farm. It it meant a lot to me knowing that I know Danny personally from high school and everything, but the rest of you guys, I've yet to meet you guys and I'd love to see you guys all in person. Um, when shows are back in session, when I'm back in the, in the Northeast area and not in Nashville, or maybe the vice versa, if you guys ever get a Nashville show and you're thinking of doing, you know, a trek down into the South to see what that kind of venue and that kind of experience is like, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, um, do you guys have any other closing thoughts or remarks to make about um, some of your content that's releasing soon or some of your um, pushes or endeavors that you're looking to do for OGP? Well, first, thank you so much for having us and for saying such kind things. Yeah, about of OGP. course. We really appreciate it. And we're just trying to, you know, make as much music as we can in the next you know, couple of years. And hopefully we'll have some stuff that's ready soon. So exciting Great. things down the line. Yeah, and I just had one last like concluding thing I wanted to say. Like, if there's any takeaways from this, like, I, it probably came through in the interview, but I feel like as a band, you know, we don't really have the same like kind of industry focus and attitude as like a lot of other groups do. Where like our primary focus is kind of just like having fun, playing with our friends, and like, you know, make hopefully like bring joy to people through music and like anything else that happens after that, like you know, is is really an added bonus and is shocking and like it really works out because no one can take away from you the, you know, the enjoyment that you get from just like making music with your friends. And like, it definitely like as college students, that's like kind of the attitude that we've had. And I think it's like, you know, obviously it's worked out for us and we're pretty, we're pretty happy about, and we're excited for the future. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are wearing your heart on your sleeve. I can definitely see that. And the level of gratitude that I, I think to be undoubtedly grateful for everything you do is something extremely important with whatever you do and being a group that definitely shows. Well, thanks everybody for checking in on Dormant Form. This was OGP talking about neo soul pop music and everything in regards to Trader Joe's and Brown University. Thanks very much.